Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you, and we are glad to have you, as always, here on the Locked On Giants podcast as we count down to the NFL draft just days away. We will finally get the answers as to who the Giants are looking at who they like, who they don't like, how the board is going to fall. Just so many questions that we have been dissecting over the last several months. We're going to get those answers. And on today's show, we're going to, uh, I'm lucky enough to, to get, um, to go back to the, to a formula we were doing last month where we were having individual locked on hosts that represent different schools. And on today's show, I have with me JJ Jackson, who not only is the host of locked on blue devils, the Duke university blue devils, but he is also the host of sports call Auburn. So he's a little, he's got familiarity with Auburn and he's going to tell us about the blue devils. And then later on in the program, we are going to talk a little bit, Danny dimes and Darius Slayton. So I'm excited to have you JJ. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, Patricia, I appreciate the offer. Appreciate the time. It's getting closer to draft season as everyone knows. And uh, to think about those New York giants drafting a quarterback uh, in a Duke blue devil with Daniel Jones. And then, uh, also drafting a former Auburn Tiger in Darius Slayton. It seems like the perfect idea for us to be able to connect and talk about all those things. For sure. And let's uh, kick this one off, uh, JJ. We're going to talk about the, the Duke Blue Devils first. There are a couple of guys in this draft class, edge rushers, that are rather intriguing. Chris Rumpf, the second, and Victor Demuk. I'm going to botch this name. And Demuk KJ? Is that how you say it? Demuk KJ. Yes, Demuk KJ. Okay, I was close. I'm very yeah. bad with names. My listeners know at this point I'm really bad with names. So I, I apologize. Um, but anyway, um, J- JJ, I had heard um, from the grapevine that the Giants had a lot of interest in Chris Rump. I don't know if you've heard that as well, but what can you tell us about Chris Rump? Yeah, I, I think that Chris Rump is going to be kind of an underrated player uh, to get an opportunity in the NFL, he's a guy that played at Duke for the past few seasons. You look at the numbers, and you're kind of impressed by the production that he had. But when you continue to dig a little deeper with Chris Rump the second, you see, Patricia, that he actually only had one credited start at Duke because he was behind DKMG and sort of a, a, a talented front for Duke. But his production just speaks for itself. He comes from a crazy athletic family. His father is actually the outside linebackers coach for the Houston Texans. So I think it makes perfect sense to draft a guy like Chris Rump II to help your pass rush, and I think that'd be a good fit for the Giants. Why is he a good fit? What does he do particularly well that that would fit the Giants' defense? Explosive. I mean, that's what you need when you're looking for a pass rusher. That's exactly who you're getting in Chris Rump. He's ability to affect not only the quarterback, but also disrupt the running back out of the backfield. He was second team all ACC this past season, uh, had some All-American buzz as well for his production that he had and his ability to just stop the run, the tackles for loss, um, I think is a, a good reason why Chris Trump is so successful. Where's his best fit? Is he is he better off with his hand in the dirt or is he better off uh, standing up from a two-point stance? 
Great question. I, I think that he can do a little bit of both, honestly, with his skill set and given his background. I mentioned his father being um, the outside linebackers coach for the Texans. He's also coached. Chris Rump Sr. was a, a talented college football coach as well and a great player in his own right. I think he's better standing up with his feet up, uh, but if he needs to put his hand in the dirt and play that way, I think he can. How how about his um just his, you mentioned his background you know his father being a the Houston Texans assistance coach and and whatnot but tell us a little bit about you know when he first came to Duke the development that you've seen in him was he always a, an edge rusher or did he did he switch positions or you know just tell us a little bit about his origins absolutely he's a three star guy out of Gainesville Florida um six three two twenty five when he came in and. For Duke, he was kind of all over the place. He played a little bit of linebacker, and then he got moved closer to the line of scrimmage as an edge rusher. And I, I think that's kind of why NFL teams are so intrigued by Chris Rumpf is because of his ability to play so many different positions. And I also believe when I talked about only having one real credited start in his Duke career, I think that might be the reason why, right? Because they didn't really know where to play him. So he didn't earn a starting position, yet when you looked at the snaps at the end of the game, he was playing more snaps than many other starters for the Duke Blue Devils. So very productive uh, pass rusher, whether it be from the outside linebacker spot or uh, being more of an edge rusher guy. But out of Gainesville, Florida was recruited by a good number of schools as a three-star guy uh, and really developed over the past few seasons. And look, made his name be a possible guy that you're going to see him called uh, I think anywhere between the second and fourth round, probably for Chris Trump, the second when it gets to be draft season. Where does he need to really up his game for the next level? I would just say consistent production, uh, like a lot of those guys that you get later in, um, later into uh, the rounds and into the draft. Just being consistent, being moved all around the field for Duke. I think that could be part of the reason why that was the case with Chris Rump, but uh, I do believe that uh, going forward, if he is told, okay, this is exactly where you're going to play, the consistency will kind of come along with that. All right. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, Demuki G and what sure. he brings to the table. Um, I'm, lo- I'm looking at the NFL.com rankings. He's ranked behind Chris Rump, who is the top ranked uh, prospect out of the Duke uh, draft class. But what does Victor bring to the table? Yeah, a similar guy, second-team All-ACC this season, uh, was tied for 17th in the nation with eight-and-a-half sacks. That's the most by a Duke player since 2002. So the accolades for Deacon G are there. He is someone that um, was instant production from the moment he stepped foot on campus. You mentioned him being behind Chris Rump in the draft rankings. He was ahead of Chris Rump in the depth chart for the Duke Blue Devils this season. So uh, had his moments on the field, was on the field a lot for this Duke football team and is so, so strong. I mean, 265, six foot two. Uh, he's got highlights against Miami of pass um, coming around the edge, knocking the ball out of the air and intercepting it himself and taking it 30 yards down the field. So super athletic for his signs. I think he's a uh, crazy exciting player and I'm excited to see where he ends up in the NFL draft. All right. Now, same question on Chris Rump for Victor. Where does he need to take the next step and where is he at his best with the hand in the dirt or standing up? 
definitely more so hand in the dirt, I would believe, for G, but I wouldn't be surprised if he is used standing up for um, Victor in terms of where does he need to improve because of that larger frame. I think in a lot of instances, he's a little bit slower off the snap, you know, and so I think that's where um, if he can be quicker, um, it's hard to be more athletic at this point in your life and that sort of thing, but quickness I think would be the biggest room for improvement for uh, Victor. You're listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Train and special guest J.J. Jackson. He is the host of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. He's also the host of Sports Call in Auburn. And we're going to take a quick break when we come back more from J.J. Jackson right after this. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, regardless of the sport or the major event. Bet online also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, offering real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you enter the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your sports book expert. Hey, Giant fans, this is Patricia Traina, host of the Locked on Giants podcast. If you're looking for a way to keep Giants football in the forefront during this offseason, pick up a copy of my new book, The Big 50 New York Giants, The Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants. This 350-plus page book takes a deep dive into the rich history of the Giants franchise, covering every era with stories, photos, and more that take you behind the headlines. The Big 50 New York Giants is available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, TriumphBooks.com, and wherever books are sold. Pick up your copy today, and thank you to everyone for your support. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you on this Tuesday, and our special guest today is J.J. Jackson, he is the host of Locked on Blue Devils, and we're talking Duke football prospects. And J.J. also has uh, some coverage responsibility down on Auburn. He's familiar with Auburn as uh, one of the radio hosts, radio show hosts, I should say, for Auburn sports. And we will get back to J.J. in just a moment. But first, this year, the Locked On NFL podcast is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft Live, get insight analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch the live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft April 29th through May 1st. And make sure you are, of course, checking out Locked On Giants all week long, we are going to be doing reactions. We're going to have wrap-up shows, previews, all kinds of stuff. So we, too, will be covering the Giants angle here on the Locked on Giants podcast. Hope you will tune in. In this next segment, there are some other draft prospects coming out of Duke that we still need to talk about. Uh, JJ, give us the lowdown on some of these other guys. Uh, we've got Michael Carter, Noah Gray, Deion Jackson, and Mark Gilbert are listed. So give us the lowdown. Yeah, there's a, a good number of other guys that we need to talk about. 
um, for this this Duke bat football team in terms of the NFL draft, which is we could just start there for a second, Patricia. You talk about Duke football and, and Daniel Jones kind of changed the perception in recent memory because there just hasn't been that many Duke players in the NFL. And really since 2015, there's only been a handful of years that you've seen more than one selection. The fact that Duke is going to have so many draft picks later in the round. They don't have anybody that's going to be at the top of the board in the first round. They'll maybe get a couple of guys with those defensive edge rushers that we talked about um, in in the second round. But the fact that Duke football all of a sudden is having more draft picks uh, is awesome for Duke first and foremost. Yeah. Why do you think that that's always been the case? I know Duke has been a big basketball school over the years, but but you're right. Uh, Lately, they've been getting a little bit more notoriety as a football program. I mean, I, I got to think Coach Cut is is, is uh, a big reason for that. But, you know, what else do you see as being the, the reason behind um, suddenly Duke being able to produce such uh, quality players? I think it does go back to Coach Cutcliffe. This season did not go the way that they wanted to. Uh, you enter the era of Duke football where you're the post-Daniel Jones era, right? And so uh, Coach Cutcliffe's success with quarterbacks is well-documented from Peyton Manning in his days at Tennessee to being there in Oxford with Eli Manning at Ole Miss and now uh, for the Giants to go from one Cutcliffe product to another from Eli to Daniel Jones. So he's had the quarterback position kind of figured out. And for Duke, the success on the field was able to allow more up players to want to come and play for Duke and Durham and to compete in the ACC. So I believe that's been the biggest reason for success uh, for Coach Cutcliffe to have more guys being draft eligible and to hear their names called. And speaking of which, let's get to these other guys that they have in the draft, sure. Carter. Uh, let, let's let's take the two cornerbacks first, Gilbert and Carter. Um, both of them, I think, are seniors. One, Gilbert looks like he's a redshirt senior. Um, I'm assuming they were both starters uh, this, you know, yeah. most recently. So, what can you tell us about those two? I want to start with Mark Gilbert, and then we'll get to Carter in a second. But what's interesting about Mark Gilbert had some injury issues. Um, at Duke, and, and injuries are going to be the biggest thing for a lot of these draft guys, right? And uh, Patricia, it's, it's a whole other debate that we get into once it gets to be draft season, um, injuries versus um, your production on the field and that sort of thing, and how much stock scouts put into your injury history, right? Because they're making a big development and a big investment, I should say, in selecting you to be a part of their team. So for Mark Gilbert, the injuries were the big issue. But when you turn on the tape and watch this dude run around the field, it's unbelievable. He's got a long line of family success in the NFL. He's actually cousins with Darrell Revis. So opposite side of New York there with, with the Giant, with the Jets, excuse me, and the career that Darrell Revis had. But it's in his family lines as well. We mentioned Chris Rump and his dad coaching in the NFL. Well, Mark Gilbert, his cousin, is Darrell Revis, and his tape speaks for itself in the um, Pro Bowl career that he had for the New York Jets. So I'm excited to see where Mark Gilbert ends up. But how about that? To, to talk about speed, and you know that your cousin is, is Darrell Revis in the career that he was able to have. That should be pretty good for Mark Gilbert, right? Yeah, you would think so. I mean, Darrell Revis, I think we can all probably agree, future Hall of Famer. No doubt. No doubt about that. That's for sure. All right. So, so what about Michael Carter? Michael Carter, another guy for Duke that um, was able to be a little bit more healthy with uh, his success on the field and that sort of thing. And he's a guy that a lot of teams, once they put more 
tape on of Michael Carter II, they're more intrigued by him. He's uh, getting a lot of day three projections, but at 5'9", 186, a senior here, I'd say he's really versatile and very aggressive um, as uh, wanting to play physical, use his body and that sort of thing. A terrific burst. I mean, I talk about just the quick burst that you see oftentimes in football players and out of the secondary. Michael Carter is somebody that has really stood out to me. Now, um, I'm assuming both of those guys played on the outside. Can either of them play inside or even play a little safety? I would say so. I think that that's um, for both of those guys. Um, Mark Gilbert, I would see him more um, as an outside guy using his speed and that sort of thing. But I mentioned with with Michael Carter II just being 5'9", he did actually play a good bit of safety for Duke, not only at the outside spot, but he had plenty of playing time in the back end for this Duke football team. So I think any transition uh, to the NFL, he's going to be able to um, play. He was used more as a safety, and so I, I think in a lot of ways that's kind of hurting his quarterback draft status because he played so far uh, back in the secondary that that's kind of actually hurting his draft stock. But for me, I look at that as a positive, right? Your ability to show that you can play all over the field. Indeed. Now on the offensive side of the ball, you got a couple of guys actually at positions that I could see the giants maybe day three, if, if, or maybe even undrafted free agent. You've got Deion Jackson, a running back, Noah Gray, a tight end. Tell us a little bit about each of those guys. Yeah, Noah Gray, a tight end, is one of the top tight end prospects in the entire draft class, right? Obviously, you talk about tight ends in the 2021 NFL draft. Well, you're going to get crazy excited about Kyle Pitts, but that is a, a top five pick likely, top 10 for sure, guaranteed there and then there's a bit of a drop-off in terms of where the tight ends go and that's why I think Noah Gray is going to surprise people wherever he ends up at 6'3", 240 really excited to see him get his opportunity because you talk about pass catchers out of Duke the number one name has been Jamison Crowder in recent memory and his long run that he had in Washington and uh, from team to team over the past couple of years so Noah Gray's got an opportunity to become sort of that next big pass catcher from the Duke football program and was just so smooth when you watch him run, right? Tight ends, can they block? Can they get out there and catch the football? Noah Gray can certainly do that, and I've been really impressed with his ability to um, catch the football uh, there from the tight end spot and also be so well as a blocker and that sort of thing. And then Deion Jackson out of the backfield. Um, I'm obviously uh, a big fan of everybody that has the last name Jackson, (laughs) <laughs> with my with my last name being Jackson as well. But Dion is so fast and, and just kind of like your your home run threat out of the backfield. Obviously a little bit undersized. You play football at Duke, so there's going to be a bit of a negative perception that we're hopeful Daniel Jones can kind of change that perspective. But I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see where Dion Jackson ends up because I do think that day three, uh, he does have an opportunity of being drafted in the NFL. And uh, it'd be cool to see him there playing for the Giants to be reunited with Daniel Jones. Now, before we uh, turn our attention to Daniel and to Darius Slayton, who we'll also talk about given your, your work with uh, Sports Call Auburn, which, what, what have you been hearing about you know, where there's interest in, in the Duke players with the Giants? Um, and who do you think, you know, if, if you had to put one guy from, from Duke uh, with, on this giant team, I know this is a tough one, but who do you think would be an ideal fit and why for the Giants? 
Uh, great question. I, I obviously talking uh, a, a good bit about uh, Duke football more and more over the, with with my work with the Locked On Blue Devils podcast has been exciting because there has been more success for this Duke football program. But in terms of uh, the the buzz around the NFL and that sort of thing, I don't know that I've necessarily heard many team specific fits with our draft prospects, which is why I am so excited about draft season because I just have no expectations, Patricia, about where these players are going to go. So I'm going to be surprised wherever they end up. So if I had to think about uh, sort of a best fit for the New York Giants, um, I'd be partial, but I kind of would like the idea of seeing Deion Jackson drafted by the Giants to be sort of a third down back out there in the field. Obviously, I'm not saying this guy's going to come in and, and replace Saquon Barkley and the great career that he's had, but why not? Why not see a guy like Deion Jackson be sort of a special teams guy, a return specialist, and then, like I said, a third down back, a pass catching back to be reunited with uh, Daniel Jones. I think that'd be awesome to see there in New York. You are listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trainer and special guest J.J. Jackson. We're going to take our final break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little Danny Dimes and a little bit of Darius Slayton, so stay with us. With the ever-increasing number of auto makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait for the counterperson to order the parts on a computer, usually choosing the brands that the store happens to prefer. Instead, take your search for your auto parts to rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for all your auto parts and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpeting. Whether it's for your classic or daily drive, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Welcome back, Giant fans, to segment three of Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you, and I have J.J. Jackson. He is the host of Locked On Blue Devils. He's also the host of Sports Call at Auburn. So we're going to talk a little Danny Dimes and a little Darius Slayton in this next segment. But first, get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on all the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And, uh, you know, just listening to you, JJ, you're very enthusiastic about Daniel Jones. It sounds almost like he's become a bit of a cult hero down there in, in, uh, at Duke because, you know, 
first guy to really I think he was one of the highest drafted players out of Duke, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, yeah, very right. prominent. Yeah, a, a very prominent uh, role and in, in, in the New York market. I mean, just some thoughts about how his career has gone so far from your perspective. It's been awesome to see. I mean, obviously, uh, team success has probably not been where uh, Daniel Jones would like it to be. But I think that's kind of what you're walking into anytime you're a top 10 pick. Uh, coming into the NFL and, and just for Duke to have a quarterback taken in the top 10. Are you kidding me? Like that's a, a dream come true for any college football fan base. So I've been excited to see his career so far and, and to see his development with some of those younger wide receivers, younger tight ends um, and, and to watch his first two seasons in the NFL. I'm excited to see what year three looks like. Now, when Eli Manning was here, there was a, a belief that Eli help make some of his receivers, you know, in other words, uh, they came in, they had talent, but Eli helped take their talent to the next level. Having watched right. Daniel at, at Duke, he didn't, you know, it was very well documented that he didn't have exactly the best supporting cast around him, but yet he was successful in some way. So what is it about Daniel's game that allowed him to maybe raise the level of the players around him and, you know, how do you think that can translate to the NFL? We haven't seen it quite yet, but, you know, it, that that aspect is obviously there. He's just a winner. Yeah, I, I think you look at his days um, coming out of high school, Charlotte, North Carolina product, and, and being recruited by Coach Cutcliffe. He took Duke to some unprecedented heights that they hadn't seen before from the football perspective. You'd have to go back to, to, to 1995 probably when Steve Spurrier was the head coach uh, for Duke, when you got that truly large level of buzz that Daniel Jones got uh, from his time in Durham. And I think that you talk about the quarterback position, their ability to make their receivers, their tight ends, their running backs better. I would agree that Eli Manning absolutely did that in his giant career. For Daniel Jones, he did the exact same thing at Duke, right? He wasn't working with the best running backs, the best wide receivers. Um, and, and, and so your ability as a quarterback to make players around you better. I think that that's just kind of some natural ability that you've got. Some guys have it, some guys don't. And I definitely think that Daniel Jones had that at Duke. And now that he does become more comfortable in the NFL, right? The best teacher is experience. Well, if you're Daniel Jones, you've got two years worth of experience. Now, I think from an outsider looking in and look up, by no means am I watching giant football day in and day out. But from the outside looking in, You've got to be able to take those next steps moving forward now that you have two years' worth of experience. So let's see what Daniel Jones can do here in year three. And it does look like he's kind of developing a good rapport with some of those younger receivers and, and Darius Slayton and um, you know Sterling Shepard there at the start of his career in New York. Evan Ingram, a talented SEC tight end out of Ole Miss. Um, so I am excited to see what happens in years to come with Daniel Jones there. You know, Giant fans are still kind of split on Daniel Jones. You know, he's shown flashes of being a, a really good quarterback. I know last year he struggled. He didn't really have top-notch playmakers around him. The Giants, of course, went out and they got him better playmakers. Um, the only question mark remaining, as far as I'm concerned, is the offensive line and whether that offensive line is really going to step up and, and get the job done. That said... You know, you look at Daniel Jones, and what do you think maybe he hasn't shown yet that he showed at Duke but hasn't shown in, in the NFL yet? 
uh, great question. I think um, probably what he hasn't shown yet is just his ability to consistently perform, right? I mean, I think uh, the NFL world, uh, from the outside looking in this past season, um, there was the game where the Giants are playing primetime television and Daniel Jones busts off for a 60, 70, 80-yard run, whatever that was. Uh, we saw flashes like that at Duke, but can you consistently show that in the NFL? And, and Daniel Jones, quite frankly, hasn't been able to, to be a consistent performer. For Giants fans, and granted, I'm not a Giants fan myself, um, being a, a Southern kid, but uh, just looking from the outside, the perception of, okay, I'm the guy immediately following Eli Manning, that's really big screws to fill. And I know that it was not the best of final seasons for Eli Manning there in New York, but the guy won two Super Bowls for your team, right? He was, at a time, one of the top quarterbacks in the entire NFL. Those accolades will always be attached to Eli Manning's name. So that makes the job of Daniel Jones more difficult because you've got to follow that guy. And so I think expectations were higher for Daniel Jones. And also you tie in the fact that he was connected to David Cutcliffe, who also had a hand in Eli Manning. But it wasn't all uh, rainbows and great success immediately out of the gates for Eli Manning. So I do think it's preaching time for for Daniel Jones. and, And hopefully this third year, he'll be able to take it to that next level. What is it about Daniel Jones that we haven't seen? I mean, we we look at him in terms of his personality, and he's almost robotic like Eli was. Although Eli, now that he's retired, is starting to show the personality we all knew that he had. Daniel is, 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 is I, you know, it's weird. I, I look at his personality, and I'm like, okay, what personality? But yet you see other little glimpses of, of the leadership. You see little things about, you know, the, that the kid likes to go out and have a good time. You know, he was spotted at the at the Knicks game the other night. I mean, have we seen the real Daniel Jones, not just as a person, but as, as a competitor, do you think? I think to a certain degree, you absolutely have. I think a lot of it is, okay, like we said, this is a a player coming from Charlotte, North Carolina, from a very, very athletic family. Um, he's got a, a brother who just actually committed to play basketball for Duke. His sister is a goalkeeper for the Duke soccer team, right? So the, they are a Duke family through and through at this point. So very athletic family that he's coming from, a very family-oriented guy in Daniel Jones. But in terms of his personality, you're going from Duke that does not get football coverage whatsoever to the New York Giants and the New York market and how crazy Giants fans are. I think in a way, and then also when you're – mentor is Eli Manning for your first year like you're going to turn off or you're going to become sort of that robotic figure when it comes to your your dealings with the media and that sort of thing so I think when Daniel Jones finds more success on the field I think the personality will open up a little bit more but to to say he's going to be this lively energetic all-around guy I just I haven't seen that from Daniel Jones um, as a person and I don't think he needs to be that I just would love to see him be more comfortable. But I think part of that is because the New York media is the way it is. And it's New York, right? It's not Durham, North Carolina, where nobody is is covering Duke football. It's, hey, it's the New York football giants. Everybody knows about them. And so that's just a big role for him to step into. Indeed. Now, he has had 
a special connection with Darius Slayton, who came from Auburn. A guy, uh, they both came in as rookies together. They hit it off. Um, they just, you know, there was something special about the, that connection the first year. The second year, not so much so, I think partially because Darius Slayton was injured. But just looking at Darius Slayton from your work with uh, Sports Call Auburn, what have you thought about the trajectory track his career has been on and what haven't we seen from him yet? Uh, I think that it's been awesome to see Darius Slayton get off to the start that he has in his NFL career. Uh, he was a guy that, quite frankly, wasn't uh, used that much at Auburn. And I've got my feet on the ground here at Auburn being an Auburn alum myself. But that's because of the offense that Auburn was running, right? Under Gus Malzahn, it was more of a run-first spread offense and now he goes to the NFL and you could see Darius Slayton make so many football plays down the field and for Daniel Jones to have a rookie a guy that is learning the NFL way like you are I think it's easier to relate to a guy like that in Darius Slayton as opposed to you know you walk into an NFL room and there are guys in your locker room teammates that have full families themselves right a wife and kids and this that and the other younger players are able to easier interact with younger players. And so that's why I think Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton were able to connect so quickly. And then also, this is a quarterback and a wide receiver, so that certainly helps. For the second year for Darius Slayton, I think that those injuries were definitely uh, a, a big reason in the reduced production that he had this past season. But I'm certainly excited to see him back for a healthy third year. What do you see as the ceiling for Daniel and for Darius that's a great question. I, I don't know that I could uh, necessarily give you a, a good answer for that. I, I don't see these guys catching the world on fire uh, for the, this, this third year in the NFL because it's just it's such a tough and competitive league each and every year. But I don't see why those two guys in particular can't be the leaders for a Giants offense that competes for the NFC East year in and year out. I really don't see why uh, that can't be a possibility for those guys. Well, certainly the Giants went out. They got some additional playmakers for Daniel. Um, the offensive line, still a little bit of a question mark, at least in my mind, unless they have some kind of plan that they haven't told us yet. But uh, still an unsettled unit. And it's going to be interesting to see. You know, I, I thought that in his rookie year, the Giants relied really heavily on Darius Slayton, partly because, you know, Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate at the time dealt with injuries. And I believe Evan Ingram dealt with injuries too. So uh, they really had to rely on him and he stepped up and did pretty well, all things considering. So I'm curious to see where his ceiling is and wh what kind of role he plays, especially given all this, this new talent and, you know, whether he becomes, uh, I know there's been some talk about him, showing traits as a number one receiver. I don't know that he's necessarily got those qualities, but, you know, I, I'm, I'd be curious to hear what you think about that. Do you think he has the qualities to become a number one receiver? I do, I, but I definitely see where you're coming from as well with what you've seen so far this season. Uh, my point being with, with Darius Slayton and the success that he's had so far early in his career, it did catch a lot of Auburn people by surprise simply because he wasn't used to his full capabilities playing in a run-first offense in college. But with Darius Slayton, in terms of long-term projections, I absolutely believe Darius Slayton can be a number two receiver for an NFL team for the next 10 years or so at least. 
uh, because of the speed, first and foremost, that you see on the outside. He's a guy that has shown off great hands uh, in his career and that sort of thing. So I don't think he's going to do anything to absolutely wow you. And, and when you talk about coming into the NFL and the Giants and their long line of uh, successful receivers and Odell Beckham Jr. being the most recent icon there uh, at the wide receiver position. I don't see that for Darius Slayton, but being a consistent starter and a contributor and a, a top target for Daniel Jones for years to come or whoever's playing quarterback for the Giants, I absolutely do believe that Darius Slayton can be that guy. I hope so because the Giants, they're, they're <laughs> locked and loaded and they really need to, to start making some waves in the NFC East. JJ, great stuff. Before I let you go, tell everybody what you got going on on your various programs. Absolutely. Thank you so much for letting me talk with you today, Patricia. And um, I certainly do appreciate this. Uh, folks can follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Uh, and also check out our podcast, Locked on Blue Devils each and every day talking all things Duke Athletics. And then I've got an Auburn background as well. As I said, being an alum there, I host a daily talk show, Sports Call Auburn, each and every day. You can find us uh, on podcast platforms as well. If you have any um, intrigue in Auburn prospects, possibly, that could be drafted to the New York Giants or anything like that, feel free to check out my work there. So, again, thank you so much for the opportunity today. I really enjoyed doing this, Patricia. And I enjoyed having you on the program. And, J.J., if, if the Giants should land any of the Duke players, I'm sure I will be reaching out to you, maybe even with the Auburn players, too, if you feel comfortable talking about them as well. Um, cause I, always I can't like to, wait. Okay, awesome. Yeah, it's always good to get <laughs> the local perspective on these players. You guys at, over at the college networks, you know these guys a lot better than we do at this point. And it is, of course, a collaborative effort and one that I'm looking forward to bringing to everybody. So on that note, Giant fans, we're going to call it a show. I want to thank J.J. Jackson for coming on today, sharing his insight on the Duke players, as well as touching base on Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton. And I want to thank you, as always, for tuning in and listening. Keep it here all week long and into the weekend as we count down these final few days before the draft we are going to have complete wall-to-wall draft coverage can't wait to bring it to you all and uh, hope you'll tune in so until next time have a good one